0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to
1: run. Yeah. Hi, everybody, this is Nick, and you have found Bengals Shock Talk. My guest today is Chrissy Freud. She covers the Titans and LSU and knows more about Joe Burrow, has been covering Joe Burrow for a longer time than just about anybody out there. Chrissy, how are you doing today?
2: Pretty good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. So, uh, you know, Bengals have uh, have had a little bit of a tough time since, uh, since we last talked. Uh, you joined us on the Narragansett pregame show before the Ravens game. That was a tough day for Joe Burrow. uh, But since then, he has bounced back and and really taken some big steps forward uh, in their matchups against the Colts and the Browns. As someone who's who's covered Burrow for years, what do you think of of where he is at right now with his NFL development?
2: Um, I think that there was a Bit of at least what kind of looked like a regression during the Baltimore game. Um, there were a few misfires during the the Colts game, and just a couple of decision making things that I really didn't like there. But I think overall he's been on a pretty steady, uh, consistently upward trend, and I think that's something that we definitely saw against Cleveland. I only saw maybe two or three uh, questionable plays there, uh, questionable throws just in general. And so, and and that, I believe that was one of the biggest games that he's had so far of his career, of his career in the NFL. I didn't look. Um, at all the statistics and compare them specifically for that one. But I I think that if there's anything that the Bengals can be confident in right now, it's definitely at the quarterback position. And I think that it's just a little bit upsetting for fans of Joe Burrow, fans of the Bengals, to see that just some other things are not coming together quite the way that we've wanted to see them. But I think that the quarterback play is definitely there. And I think two of the most important things just in having a football team that can put up points and that can eventually win games is a strong offensive line and a strong quarterback, and I think that the the Bengals they can do some things between this year and next year to to fix the offensive line issue because I think that a lot of it uh, lies in there, and I think that there are some things that the receivers could cons- consistently do um, just on a more consistent basis, better in general. But I I, I think I think Burrow himself is on the upswing. I I don't think that he ever really had that super rough rookie transition that we see a lot of guys have. I think that if anything. He's maybe been a little bit humbled, not having as much around him and learning to deal with uh, just losses more. I think that he's dealt with a lot of adversity in his lifetime, in his uh, college career especially. But I, I think that he's, after being on a team that won every single game last year, he's kind of learning how to deal with that over again, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that—I uh, mean—that Ravens game was tough, and and they threw a lot of stuff at him that he was not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think that when you've got a, a, a defensive coordinator like that, and then, you know that that level of, of talent at the defense, I mean, it, it's hard to get a, a young quarterback prepared for all that stuff. Uh, and even even with stuff you're talking about until you see it live, you know, you get that live action, you see yourself do it, you see yourself screw it up. Um, could definitely be tough to. To make that next transition there. So you mentioned obviously Bengals fans are are not feeling great right now, but we're feeling good about Burrow. Um, I know that's something that, that I I was hearing a little bit about in the off season that LSU fans are you know so into Joe Burrow that you know it appeared that we're we're picking up some some fans. You know that uh, that some Louisiana people were kind of coming over to the fan base. Maybe they're still Saints fans, but you know at least kind of having an AFC team in the Bengals. Um, do you, do you think that's, uh, that's still going on? I mean, are, are the, are people in Louisiana still, you know, really supportive of Burrow and, and looking forward to, to his success and thus the Bengals success?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the saints because I know there was a point in time that, uh, Joe Burrow had said that he looked up to Drew Brees and there was some kind of a, some, some sort of connection going on there. I can't remember exactly what it was. So there's, there's a tie, but yeah, I think that LSU fans keep up with Joe Burrow just as much as anyone else just as much as the team in general and I think the fact that he's uh, performing so well is also helping but yeah I mean there's still plenty of people that walk around in Joe Burrow jerseys here Um, there's whenever we do our coverage at uh, LSU wire we still do plenty of focus on on Joe Burrow and his his upcoming games and the Bengals upcoming games are almost just as important on Sundays as the rest of our stuff is in the general content plan
1: so how do you think Burrow will match up uh, against this super talented Titans defense? We talked about how he had some struggles against a really tight, uh, talented, and well-coached Ravens defense. Uh, what do you think that that he'll be able to do against the Titans?
2: I think the Titans have a good defense, but they also have a defense that's been proven to be a liability um, at some points in the middle of the season. Um, I, am not sure whether or not we'll have Adoree Jackson back and I'm not quite sure how much that will help either because I've seen him be up and down in the past. But if there's, if there's one thing that this Titans defense can do, it's come up with turnovers and clutch times. They, they have this tendency that even if they play the majority of the game, just average or not all that great, they can come up with the turnover whenever they need to guys like Kevin Byard are, are important for things like that. I know Monty Hooker was a, a factor in a game earlier this season as well. Um, I, so I think that if he's not, uh, careful with the, with the football, which I think that he's done a pretty good job of doing so far that they could really get him there, but just the the whole turnover thing is something to definitely watch out for.
1: Yeah. And, you know, after the first week, I think he's been pretty good in that area. Um, mm-hmm. you know, outside of a couple of, of, strip sacks, uh, he hasn't had too many like, bad interceptions, but, uh, definitely, definitely a point of concern. I know that, that's something that uh, you got to look at with defenses. You know, sometimes d- defense, the way the NFL is set up, like teams are going to score, you know, and teams yeah. are going to be able to move the ball. Obviously yardage isn't that important if you play good red zone defense, but even like when you're giving up points, if your defense is able to get, is giving up points, um, as long as your offense is able to keep up with it and, <laughs> and you can come up with a couple turnovers, you know, steal a couple of opportunities, uh, that's that's definitely huge. So the big thing about that, though, the most important thing about that is, do you capitalize when you get those turnovers? So how how would you say this offense is taking advantage of those situations?
2: I think the offense, this Titans offense, is one of the best that we've seen in a really long time. I think Ryan Tannehill has finally found his system. I was a bit concerned that maybe last year was a fluke year for him. But he's expanded off of that and is almost, um, really, to me, on track to be even more established this year than maybe he was even last year. That uh, I don't, I don't mean I don't really view Ryan Tannehill as like a super flashy quarterback that's gonna like do a bunch of things to really catch your eye. But he's very efficient. Um, I, I think there was I can't remember which Bengals player it was, but someone had made some sort of a comment in a press conference that someone took and said that it looked like he wasn't overly impressed with Ryan Tannehill. I just thought it was funny because. That there are some guys we look at and go, oh, wow, like he has a lot of a, like a wow factor. There's some things that he does that really catch your eye, and there's there's nothing like that with Ryan Tannehill that really sticks out to me, but I do think that he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league, and then we have Derek Henry who has obviously done a really good job powering the run game as we'd expect him to, and he's been a some sort of a factor in every single game, and he's been pretty hard to stop, if you couldn't tell last by last season how he pretty much carried the whole team through the playoffs, and then AJ Brown stepping up, uh, Corey Davis has been a, a factor pretty consistently this year as well. Um, so I think when it comes, come what this matchup really comes down to, is who has the better offense. And I, I would I would grade the Bengals defense as a bit worse than the Titans defense as well. But I think it comes down to who has the better, more established offense. And I think that uh, the Tennessee offense has the um, Cincinnati Bengals offense beat by a country mile at this point because. I, I really view Joe Burrow as the only consistently established piece of the Cincinnati offense you can count on pretty much every single play at the game. Whereas with Tennessee, there's there's many more players on that side of the ball that you can count on consistently.
1: No, interesting thing that uh, Zach Taylor said this week. Uh, obviously, Zach Taylor and Ryan Tannehill go back a long ways. They they go back all the way to Tannehill's college days. Um, And he said when when Tannehill was playing receiver, so well, actually, he didn't say that. Uh, When he was asked about Tannehill playing receiver in college, uh, Taylor said, no, he was never a receiver. He went to quarterback meetings. He was the backup quarterback. And we play him at receiver, but he was always quarterback. Like he never actually was a receiver. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, like that. That's what he was doing. He still had that that mindset, but still was preparing for that. So, um, you know, when you see a guy, I know that was like like a criticism of him coming out was like, oh, well, he played, he had to play receiver to get on the field, and he only played for one, you know, so long. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. That uh, still actually pretty defensive of his old player in in, in that way. Like, nope, he's a, he's a quarterback. He's always been a quarterback. I thought that was. Pretty interesting. So, uh, m- you know, maybe there's some players out there uh, disrespecting this game, but but the head coach is, uh, is definitely not. Um, you know, you mentioned Corey Davis. So Corey Davis was in the draft class, uh, one of three receivers that went top ten, along with Mike Williams and John Ross. And I can tell you Bengals fans will not ever live down the fact that the Bengals took John Ross and not Patrick Mahomes. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the Titans are winning some games, so you know, they're going to the playoffs. So it's obviously a little bit of a different situation around there. Is is that something that the Titans fans get hung up on? Do they, do they say, "Man, we could have had Patrick Mahomes."
2: You know, I I haven't really heard a lot of that. I'm sure that there are some because Patrick Mahomes right now is standing out as the best quarterback. In the league, but there, I mean, there have been some stat comparisons. There's just some little comparisons I've seen around Twitter between uh, Tannehill and Mahomes that I found pretty interesting. I couldn't tell you the specifics of that right now because I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But um I, I i don't think that the Titans really need Patrick Mahomes, to be quite honest with you. I think that obviously he's an elite talent, but I think that Ryan Tannehill is doing every single thing that they could possibly ask of him uh, and more. Pretty much, for the most part, he's, he's mistake-free and he gets the job done and he can he has the type of mobility that he needs to extend the play to make plays of his own. I I, I don't think that the Titans could really a- ask for much more at the quarterback position outside of what he does.
1: Uh, you uh, we, we talked about Derrick Henry a little bit and look, he's a beast and we've all seen probably the second most famous picture of somebody being jacked is like the, <laughs> Just <laughs> a picture, picture of him next to Deion Lewis, uh, second only to uh, DK Metcalf, uh, <laughs> uh, lifting weights with no shirt on for some reason. Um, so, but w- when I watch this team, it's like, yeah, he can. He's a big dude. He can break tackles, but he doesn't need to. I mean, they are opening up some serious holes for him, uh, like the Cleveland Browns. A big part of what they were able to do with their offensive line and and flipping it, you know, from from being a liability to a strength uh, this year was bringing in Jack Conklin from the Titans, and yet the Titans lose Conklin, and they they really appear to be still going very strong on the offensive line. Um, so I guess what I'm asking on behalf of all Bengals fans is, uh, how do you do that, and can we have one of those?
2: <laughs> yeah, I th- think that the Titans kind of they have. For the most part I mean there have been some some questionable things that have gone on and historically the Titans have not necessarily always had a strong offensive line as a matter of fact um, when we think back to like times like the Zach Mettenberger era that was one of the things that I consistently locked them for was the offensive line and there was a point in time that I really thought Taylor LeJuan might have been one of the only decent players within that line but I think that they've uh, they've, they've done a good job fixing that. I think that they've got some some decent depth there, and I think that they've got a little bit more experience in some at some positions, and I think that's... So if the Bengals want one of those, I think that they simply need more, more experienced players than to go into a training camp without a pandemic and without a bunch of young players that are still trying to figure out what they're doing when there's a position battle at basically every single place than the offensive line. Um, I, th- I think just the timing issue and the state of the world and the level of experience is what's really um, got the Bengals down as far as offensive line goes, and that's, that's partially on them. I mean, anything that happens with, within a team is the, the fault of the, the players and the coaches and uh, whoever's in upper management, but I think that the Bengals really, for lack of a better word, got screwed this year as far as preparation goes with all that.
1: So anybody out there hoping for a simple solution to the offensive line problem... Chrissy Freud's coming out here with, uh, change, uh, you know, fix the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I
2: mean, I, it's, it's just, it, no, no, it I, I'm just joking. No,
1: you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, I that mean, it's when sense. you
2: look at it though, whenever you have a bunch of young guys and then all half this stuff is virtual and then there's all the COVID restrictions, um, the lack of experience and having position battles across a whole unit like that is bad enough. Whenever you mix that in there with it, it's, it's, pretty much impossible to overcome just in my eyes
1: yeah and I think the the lack of a preseason the old line I think that's the biggest oh there. yeah you know in, in particular with the Bengals who uh have struggled to get any kind of pass rush this year uh you know like you're not gonna you're not get, you weren't getting great competition obviously in practice uh and you're not gonna you know so, so you're not really seeing it so I I, I wasn't surprised at all and I, I think a lot of Bengals fans, there were some younger guys and they were they were hoping there was to be be some change up on the offensive line, but pretty much the day one, you know, week one off starting offensive line was what we expected to be going into camp because I don't really think there was any opportunity for, for guys to really show uh that you know, and to demonstrate that that they're better than the guys ahead of them.
2: Yeah, I think um uh, with a lot of teams, just in several positions in general, when it comes down to the lesser experienced guys that may have some sort of an edge, those we see those changes perhaps made in the middle of the season or so just at some point within the season because there is no preseason. And I think that there's a lot of uh, kinks that some teams could have had the ability to work out and some questions they could have answered for themselves within a preseason or even just having a normal camp in general, but they didn't have any of those things. So I think that's why we're seeing Uh, just just some of these ups and downs and weird things happening that we wouldn't typically see across the league.
0: Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last.
1: Cherish all of life's moments and save up to thirty percent at Blue Nile dot com. That's Blue Nile dot com. And obviously, that would have been nice for Joe Burrow to get to know some of his receivers, especially uh, especially T and rookie Minicamp, camp, uh, if, they, if they would have been able to have one. But
2: yeah, you um, have to wonder just how different that would have looked. How how different um, his his favorite targets yeah. would be. Just
1: it, it's it's funny too because that. because you know this is really the same thing. I mean, obviously, it's different, but it's the same kind of situation coming into LSU. You know, he, he, he didn't have a spring ball. You know, he's he's rolling up in August. And, it, you know, people talk about that, that first year at LSU, how he wasn't great. But he got there in August. Like, he's just meeting guys, you know. And, and I, I think – and you and I have talked about this before. I, th- I think you can see his development over the course of that first year. And you could see his rapport. Uh, you know in particular with Jefferson developing over the course of that year. So um they're finally the last couple of weeks, you know, he's he's really developing something with uh with Higgins and with AJ Green that wasn't there before. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think I think Boyd's been a connection for a while. Uh Boyd was also healthy all throughout training camp, which some other guys yeah. weren't so it helped. But um so yeah, I mean <laughs> it would it would definitely be huge, but uh, back to the offensive line. So, so I, we talked about young guys not getting a chance in the offensive line. Um, outside of week one's injury to Xavier Suofilo, the Bengals have been pretty lucky on the offensive line in terms of injuries and have kind of, you know, they've they've gotten better as the season has gone along, and those guys have been able to work together. Unfortunately, last week that luck uh, came crashing down, uh, and they head into the Titans game. Bobby Hart is out. So uh-huh. you could to have Fred Johnson starting it at, at right tackle. And that's a guy uh-huh. that, that that's a position that a lot of people were hoping he'd be in in September. So you got, you got Fred Johnson there. There is potential right now, Jonah Williams is day to day. And, you know, if you're listening to this on Saturday, uh, I'm, you know, maybe, hopefully, hopefully you've got better, better news than what I'm getting, but, uh, Jonah Williams day to day. So they could have a, a rookie sixth round pick in Hakeem Adeniji starting at left tackle. And, uh, We've got uh, Trey Hopkins in the concussion protocol. So uh, Billy Price will be getting the start at center. So this is a, a banged up offensive line for the Bengals that, that was already struggling. Um, so so my question is, you know, I, I understand that the Titans defense has had some ups and downs, but, I mean, they've got some pretty good pass rushers there. How do you think, uh, you know, are they going to be able to keep Burroughs safe uh, against that Titans pass rush?
2: Well, I think it's an interesting thing to look at because so many of these guys were kind of neck and neck or we just didn't really know who was going to get the start at several of those positions. I know one guy you mentioned specifically was Fred Johnson, who uh, for a little while I thought might actually win that battle. So there's two ways to look at this. One, um, at least some of those guys or all of those guys could come in and be better than the guys before them. And perhaps you end up with a better situation. I think that the first game that they're in might not go as well as maybe the second or the third, depending on how long they're in there substituting for somebody else. Uh, Or things could honestly just come crashing down. The Titans' defensive line could have a pretty good day. Um, There are some very talented players within the Titans' defensive line. They have some very talented pass rushers there, too. So I, I think that the Bengals do face a tall task in keeping Joe Burrow safe. I think that that's something they've gotten... A little bit better at as time has gone on, but um, it's it's been a it's been an issue throughout the season, and I I think that with the aggressiveness of the Titans' defense and that it could uh, definitely happen again. I, I could see it being a rough day for Joe Burrow, quite honestly.
1: Yeah, we were talking um, we were talking before we started recording here, and and you know, I live in Rhode Island, uh, you know, kind of tied in with Massachusetts, and I, I was a real big fan of of Harold Landry. Uh, coming out of Boston College, and you know, he's definitely a guy that can that can get out after it. And you got, uh Jeffrey Simmons, another young guy who's you know was was very liked in the draft community. Obviously, you get Clowney. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, that's that's a good defense, and that's it, it's funny because there's a lot of guys on the defense that were like, you know, that were they were really uh, liked in the draft process, and and they don't really they don't seem to miss some of those guys. You know, you know, add add Rashawn Evans in there. He was a guy I wanted for the Bengals a couple years Mm -hmm. ago. I think the Titans might have snuck up ahead of the Bengals, uh, and and taken him uh, Mm -hmm. in that draft. Actually, I think that's where the Bengals ended up with Billy Price, uh, oddly enough. But yeah, I mean, they they really seem to to get the most out of those guys. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with the offensive line that you know, you know, the guys they're bringing in, whether it's free agents or uh, you know, drafting a guy like uh, like Nate Davis. You know, they they really seem to they they seem to hit. On the people they bring into the organization, I mean, do you think that's a function of the of the coaching staff or the front office? Or
2: well, I think John Robinson is an absolute genius. I've I've been saying that for a while. I was a bit angry. I'll, to, to see that he didn't take Christian Fulton in the first round, but then it all made sense whenever he went and got him in the second round. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting that you, that you mentioned that the Titans do maximize the potential of all those guys because that there have been some disappointing performances out of each of those players that I've seen. We have like a suds and duds list that we do after every game. And there was a point in time that I was in charge of that pretty much week in and week out. And every single one of them has gone to one side or the other, at least once. Um, but one thing that I notice about them is that just about every single one of them can be seen as a standout in some way. Like there's no, there's none of those guys that I've looked at and like, Oh, that one's consistently quiet. And with teams, teams like the Bengals teams that just, just other teams in general, there are some guys that you can count on. Like, these are our standouts. These are the ones that are going to do well on a consistent basis, or that consistently have some sort of a big game in some aspect. And then these are our quiet guys that they're kind of, there kind of hanging on and, they do well enough, but they're not really standouts. Every um, every guy that you mentioned that the Titans' defense has had has had those standout games, and it's been more of just, than just one of them. There's look at and go, oh, like he's just consistently very quiet. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a very talented uh, you know, secondary as well. Um, uh, you know, I think you mentioned uh, uh, Bayard. You know, as a as a guy, he didn't get enough credit for how good of a safety he is. Um, I, honestly, I think this game with with him and Jesse Bates, I think that's about as good as you can get uh, at the safety position in the NFL between between those two guys. Uh, you know, you got a guy like uh, Dane Crookshank. you know, another guy that was, uh, you know, kind of a draft darling of a, of a lot of people that, uh, that, that people were, you know, were big fans of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, a lot, of, a lot of talent and maximizing talent in that group. So, I mean, that, that does kind of get us into, into coaching a little bit, and uh vrabel was a guy i i really liked him as a as a coaching candidate you know and he's been there there's there talks that marvin lewis might retire uh the year before he, uh the Bengals, and and he ended up uh, parting ways so you know vrabel was kind of a guy that was was on my mind and bring some interesting things to the table uh obviously been around some good coaches uh he kind of threw me off a little last year. Like they, there was like way too much coverage of him doing planks and pushups and stuff. It was like, <laughs> wait a minute, is this, is, is this what he does? Uh, you know, but he doesn't seem to be, look, cause like there are those coaches, there are those, like I, I call them meathead coaches, but uh, like there, there are those guys that can just like kind of, you know, be a weight room guy and, and lead a team. And, and you can get a certain amount of success with that for sure. But I mean, his decision making, the things that he does within the course of a game, his game management really seems to be at a high level, which is he's worked for some great guys, but he didn't work and you know, he didn't coach for that long. You know, played for Belichick for a long time, which I'm sure helps. But um, yeah, what, what are your what are your thoughts overall on, on this coaching staff and and kind of the way they handle the business?
2: Um, I, I think that Mike Vrabel's done a good job so far. And it's funny that you mentioned the whole media thing. One thing that I've noticed in the, in the few times I've been out there, it's hard for me to go out there because I I live in Baton Rouge and it's like an eight hour drive for me. But um, he's he's a very hands on coach, very very involved uh, to a higher degree than pretty much any other coach I've ever been around in person. Granted that most of those are college football coaches. Um, I th- I think that his his aggression that he brings to the table is something that's been pretty good to see, but. I, I didn't notice it in the in the last game, on, on the last play, whenever they sent Goskowski out there. And to be quite honest with you, I had a bit of a bad feeling about that. They should have gotten a flag or something and backed him up about five more yards and put him in his range. He You <laughs> he heard that, haven't you? About how there's like a certain distance that he kicks within that he's better than actually being closer, as weird as that sounds.
1: Really? I, yeah, did not, the, I did not realize that. Okay.
2: Yeah, so... I, I don't know. I, I get nervous every time that I see Steven Goskowski out there to go kick a field goal because his highs are very high and his lows are uh, rock bottom. And I, I would have liked to have seen the Titans have gone for it on that play instead. I'm sure that if they would have come up short, um, that the, if they wouldn't have been able to win the game and, and just go for broke there, that a lot of people would have been mad about that. But uh, that, I, I think that's kind of those decisions that you look back on and you're like, wow, like maybe they should have. Uh, just tried to go for the win there as opposed to that to that field goal.
1: yeah, it's interesting you you should mention that about uh Gaskowski because the Bengals have kind of a similar situation. Uh, Randy Bullock has been a very good, reliable kicker all year long. Except in, like, the last two minutes of the game. <laughs> and and this, this goes back a little bit with him, too. And like, I think it actually goes back and you look at the last two minutes of the first half, too. But, um, you know, he missed the kick that would have sent them into overtime uh, in week one against the Chargers. Uh, and then, you know, he, he missed uh, uh, you know, he missed another opportunity late in, late in the fourth quarter later in the year. So um, it, it's, it's interesting because that's one thing about this game is, look, the, the Bengals play teams close. And I think everybody was thinking that they were going to get blown out, you know, by the, by the Browns last week, because they didn't do well against the Browns uh, previously. And, you know, they, they held in there and then they, they came up short at the end. Um, We've seen them come up short because of missed field goals. And now it's a game where maybe you don't trust either kicker in that situation. So, um, you Know if they can keep it tight, maybe maybe they get lucky and and that that bag kicking, uh, you know, the bag kicking bounces back in, in their favor and they and they pull one off. I don't know, uh, you know, I, I can dream, right? Uh, it would be it'll be yeah, great for them when it gets quality for the bye week. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not
2: entirely, I mean, not plausible. I think one of the things that's been so interesting about um the Titans lately is because we're used to seeing a wildly inconsistent team and obviously there are still some things that they need to improve on but for the most part it seems like they've been uh steady enough they that throughout the beginning of the season I think that they gave pretty much all their fans a heart attack toward the end of every game because it was like they were just like somehow finding this way to come back and and win just in the like final seconds I, I remember the phrase in every article that I had to stop myself from using in every single one was <laughs> that this one came down to the wire or something along those lines, because, because it really did. But, um, I, I think that overall just the Titans really do have the better, more established, uh, more consistent, more experienced team in this matchup. And I think that they're going to come out on top, even if that is by a small margin. But I think that there's a lot to be said about how closely the Bengals have played pretty much every single one of their opponents. There are so many games that I look at and I see one or two plays that if this would have gone differently, the Bengals could have a much, much better record than they do now. And I think that considering that Joe Burrow is pretty much one of the only truly good players that I see on that team right now, that's also a a testament to his quarterbacking ability because just think about how much he personally has to do with getting the team to play that closely with these other opponents.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why your, that's why the quarterback position is so important. You know, it's, it, it makes you competitive when you shouldn't be. Um, you know, and I think you get to a certain level where your your team's decent. You know, you're in the playoffs. You know, <laughs> just just from mm-hmm. being decent. And then obviously, you know, it's it's what you need to to push you over the level. And the Kansas City Chiefs were a very good football team with with Alex Smith, but it's a little bit different now uh with, with patrick mahomes and and definitely yeah. gives them uh gives them something else there so um yeah so uh you know we'll, we'll we'll see how this one goes uh you know the bengal's are heading into a bye week they're a little banged up they're heading into a bye week and definitely would be would be great for them to get a little bit of confidence uh to knock off a quality opponent uh speaking of of quality opponents like the Steelers started off the year playing some bad football teams and winning every game, but playing some bad football teams. And, you know, obviously that was a matchup between undefeateds this weekend. How do you think the Titans as a team will respond to their first loss of the season and getting it on, on something so, uh, you know, so brutal as the, as a, as a missed kick?
2: Um, I mean, I I think that it gives them a little bit more motivation. It's, it's kind of, this thing where they're used, they've are used, they gotten to this rhythm of, I guess, being a little bit more comfortable because they're used to winning every single game. I think that it's a bit of a mentality thing and then to kind of have a little bit of a shock like that because there have been so many times, like I said, that we've seen them come down to the last minute and then they find a way to pull it out. I think they're probably expecting to do that um, in overtime this past game. Um, I, I Another thing that I think is that the Titans need to – get the momentum and keep it early on because that's something that I think really affected them against Pittsburgh is allowing Pittsburgh to snag that momentum and really to hold on to it until that third quarter, AJ Brown touchdown, whenever the Titans were kind of able to turn the tide just a little bit. But um, yeah, I I think it gives them just a little bit more to play for and that they're really going to be looking to make a a statement to bounce back and get back to uh, staying in the win column consistently.
1: Yeah, they say that the teams take on the personality of their coach, and you know, Vrabel doesn't seem like somebody that you want to catch after a loss. No. Uh <laughs> I mean, So, uh, so yeah, bad time. I was looking at that game. I was like, I was like, man, hopefully, hopefully this the, you know they they beat the Steelers and they're feeling pretty good about themselves. <laughs> maybe maybe the Bengals can catch them sleeping a little bit, uh, but that is obviously not how it went down. So. We can both be disappointed in that. All right. Well, again, today, my guest was Chrissy Freud. Uh, Chrissy, where can people follow you and your work?
2: Uh, So I do a few different things at Pro Football Network. I'm still over there. They're going through a little bit of a transition. So um, unfortunately, our our Bengals vertical is not there anymore. I think that at some point we'll be returning to that. So I'm not covering the Bengals as much as I used to. Uh, And then other than that, I'm still with USA Today Sports Media Group, and we're covering you in the titans at least i am that's what i focus on um and other than that i cover let's see high school football at the advocate and that i think that's it right now i i, I take on multiple gigs <laughs> during the season and they 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 kind of change depending on how the format of whatever network changes and just whatever else i pick up but that's it for now
1: it's a, it's a crazy business it's a crazy world i'm with you on that. so <laughs> yeah things are definitely always changing geez and uh yeah uh I mean, the high school ball gig must be the must be the craziest one of them. <laughs> how we, how we it always you,
2: so. <laughs> is. It, it never fails. I don't think I've had any uh, larger just collection of weird experiences than any <laughs> one thing that I have at high school football. <laughs>
1: I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. All right. Well, uh, you know, thank you, everybody, for listening, for downloading. Uh, make sure you join myself, John Sheeran and Anthony Casenza for the pregame show uh, coming up this Sunday at noon. You can find that on YouTube and Facebook. We will see you then and get you ready for this Titans matchup. Day.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip?